This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Over the course of the last year or so, most of the conversation about the world of golf has been about the drama outside of just the tournaments, the drama between PGA Tour and Live Golf. That drama officially ended today with the shocking announcement of a merger. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Quickly, Harry, before we get into this, I want to take a second and say thank you to WWE. Had the chance last night to go with some buddies to XL Center to see WWE Raw. Had a buddy uh, with WWE hooked me up. I've never walked into an event like that and sat in the front row. And I could not believe it when I walked in, and it was Section 1, Row A, standing right there in front of everybody. And kudos to the WWE people who put on an incredible show in person. Uh, as somebody with no vested interest in this, just friendships, I got to tell you, if you have the chance to go see it live, go see it live. It's even better than I thought it could be or would be. Really incredible experience, and I just had to say thank you to WWE uh, for hooking us up. Uh, it, it, it was really a... It was wild. Someday, uh, Fitz and Harry going to go. Maybe maybe we'll get in the ring when my foot's healed. Like We'll, we'll be like a, like a flying dynamic tag team duo. That's well, a, oh, yeah. What would your signature moves be? I know this is kind of on the spot. Would you have like a, or at least describe what your signature move would be? Well, look, if I could redo my whole life, I would change one important thing. I would have decided at an early age that I should have been Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart. Like I'd be a manager with a megaphone that runs around and talks the talk for people. But our signature move would definitely be something Involving ebony and ivory, like that's going to be well, our tag well, team. Well, mine right? would be eye, eye gouging. I got oh, eye gouging. Okay. Yeah. Oh that's no, I'm mean. going straight. Like, oh, you know what my signature move is? I do like a, a front roll on the mat, and I come up, and I just with the crown of my head, the very top of my head, boom, a punch to the no-no places. I headbutt you I to knew, the no-no I, places. I, I was just about to say. It cannot involve peanuts. Yeah. No. 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 Like, oh, you know what? That's what we're going to call it the peanut crusher. There we go. The peanut crusher. <laughs> That's a, it's my, it's my signature move. Front roll on the mat, launching up like a hedgehog into somebody's no-nos. And I'm the, I'm the eye gouger. Okay. Yeah. Oh, if we did it at the same time, like I'm, I'm hitting the no-nos while you're out, while you're gouging the eye, somebody just falls down and then we pin them. We pin them. All right. Are you excited? (laughs) Let me stop. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, try not like to get you've fired. Used this move before. Uh, well, you know, having Friday nights get weird in Connecticut. Uh, Next time I do a read, I'll make sure I put the hot dog on your name. <laughs> Leave it away from Devin. Oh I'll give it to you. God. Trust me. Uh, do I just call it like do it like? Oh, we can play the Christmas music and just call it the Nutcracker. There we go. Uh, I've got it all figured out. Uh, you know, WWE call me. I really should never get in a ring, but I do appreciate you letting us sit there so close to the people that are actually qualified to do what they would do. Da, 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 da. All right, PGA and Live merged today. That is huge news, Harry, as it's something nobody saw coming. The PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and the Live Golf League, which have been embroiled in a bitter legal battle for more than a year, agreed to merge and move forward in a larger commercial business. So this was announced. This is a stunning development. Quote, a landmark agreement to unify the game of golf on a global level. Basis. The three tours said they will work, quote, cooperatively and in good faith to establish a fair and objective process for any players who desire to reapply for membership with the PGA Tour or DP World Tour following the completion of the 2023 season. But here's the most important quote, Harry. It's insanity, said one PGA Tour 
the live uh, player, I should say. The live tour was dead in the water. It wasn't working. Now you're throwing them a live jacket. Is the moral of the story to just always take the money? Harry, I want you to hear this. I want your reaction to it. Mark Schlebaugh, ESPN uh, writer, said this about what the PGA players thought of the merger. I talked to a handful of players this morning, uh, a couple before the announcement was made, and it was just complete and utter shock. Uh, some very colorful language. Some very upset players. I had one player tell me, you know, why would we do this now? Live The live tour is dead in the water. It's not working, and now we're going to throw them a life jacket. It's ludicrous. Um, Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, has scheduled a meeting for 4 p.m. Eastern time today in Toronto where the RBC Canadian Open is being played. He knows he's going to face a room full of hornets. There are a lot of people and players and members upset about how this went down that they were kept uh, in the dark about it. There was a player advisory committee meeting at the uh, Memorial last week in Columbus, Ohio. Monahan and some other PGA Tour officials were there. I'm told by players who were in the room that there was no mention of a possible merger. And see, that's the thing for me, Fitz, hearing that, you know, these players didn't hear anything from their commissioner, Jay Monahan, right? I, I would think the decency and being a human being was to what to be to you know get everyone together talk talk about this even if you are going to make the decision that you're going to make and you're going to go through with it but at least consult those guys and have a grown-up conversation about it to see how they feel even if you want to go the route you want to go but i just think that was the decent thing to do and that's not what took place but we also do understand and a lot of people are shocked right now but I'm sitting up here telling you that I'm not because I understand how the world works. In the world, whether it's our country or other countries, it, 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 business comes before, you know, morality in my eyes. That's just the way in 2023 things works. Business is first. And then when you see dollar signs on top of dollar signs, nine times out of ten, or I should say 9.5 times out of ten, it's going to be skewed towards the money and making things better in their eyes for their vision and what they see, the people, you know, up top. Imagine being one of these athletes, one of these golfers, and trying to navigate all of this with the decisions that you were forced to make, whether you wanted to take the money or you didn't want to take the money. Uh, I, I think it was SVP that tweeted out essentially, you know, golfers were asked to turn down eight- and nine-figure pay, uh, paydays uh, to stand tall and stand behind uh, the PGA Tour. And then all of a sudden they find out that the PGA Tour took that money from Liv, right? Like, I understand why this is all, all very conflicted. But you're right. Every single person has to make their own individual decision on what's important to them when it comes to money and morality in some of these conversations. You make that decision based on the information you have. I do think it's important to note, though, that part of the reason golfers were defecting wasn't just the money. I know that's a huge part of it, but part of what we heard from golfers leaving the PGA Tour for live was that they never felt like the PGA Tour respected them, listened yes. to them, gave them a voice, right? We just heard that there's a player's advisory committee that obviously wasn't advised. This is the PGA being who the PGA has always been and doing what the PGA has always done, looking out for themselves. And through this process of doing it, they don't care if they're throwing a life raft to live. They just care about making sure they get all the golfers they want in-house for the events that they want in a way that benefits them. And if uh, if golfers aren't informed, why are they surprised? Like, that's that's been the way business has been done for a long time by the PGA people. But also, we can't sit up here and act like the PGA Tour have done things – in the correct manner because 
why are all these people going to live golf? What's 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 the reason, Fitz? Why do they feel a certain way that they have to go over to the Live Golf? Yeah, because they think that the PGA didn't put out the right cash there prizes, that the PGA wasn't doing enough to help them with their schedule, and they made a ton of money. Like uh, the the constant is, and they made a ton of money. But yeah, there there were definite systems in place that PGA wasn't looking out for them on. Exactly, and that's my point. So if a lot of these players feel like they need to go elsewhere to get compensated the way they feel like they need to be compensated and to take care of their families, who uh, a lot of these guys have wives, they have kids they need to take care of and they want to have a better life for, you can't really fault them. But also, we got to understand that, you know, our government does business with a lot of people that a lot of people don't approve of or a lot of countries that people don't approve of because of certain things. So you can't, you know, be hypocritical and be upset at these golfers for doing this, but also you're not upset at our government for doing certain things. Yeah, I, I think the difficult part, and sports washing is part of this conversation. For anyone that doesn't know what sports washing is, sports washing is basically spending a bunch of money on sports to try and change the way the public sees some uh, area, some region. So Saudi Arabia spent a bunch of money on live golf golfers because they wanted to change the way they were perceived. And that's that's a very real thing. But to your point, Harry, I mean, uh, your favorite restaurant, your favorite uh, your favorite coffee shop in town. Like, you don't always know what everybody's in business with, who everybody's in business with. Transparency is always difficult to find in any of this. And it is interesting how we move the needle. I, I, I think I've, I've tried to be very balanced in the conversation about sports washing because I understand why it's a really key thing for areas to do, and it can be super problematic. I also understand that most people right now sitting in their car, if they could get a 20% raise to go work for someplace, would likely do it. Not only 20%. If you t- if you come to somebody that's making decent money and you say, hey, I'll give you $10 million to do the same job in Saudi Arabia, there's a lot of people that would turn around and be like, $10, 10000000 million? Yes, I will gladly do that. Like we, we place morality where we think morality should be placed, mostly so we can place judgment in many situations. Yeah, and I, and I will also say for the PGA players especially – being left out in the dark, who turned down multi-million dollars fits um, from Live Golf? They have a right to be upset. They have right to be, a right to be pissed off, and they have the right to feel like they were disrespected. Because it, it, I'm big on transparency. Like Jamal uh, uh, Monahan should have sat there and, and and had a meeting with all those golfers, and then still did what he had to do. But just to have them out in the dark, I don't feel like that's right. That's the biggest part of this that I think everyone's going to have a problem with. There was no information. All right, we're going to move on, obviously. We've got a lot we want to talk about, but I do want you to hear. When we come back, you will hear from one PGA golfer, and I promise you, even if you are not into golf, when you hear the way he reacts, you will understand why this is an issue that is not going to go anywhere for the actual golfers that are part of this merger. We'll do that coming up. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. There's a huge story in the NFL over the last 24 hours that could have lasting impact for all 32 teams as gambling continues to become a bigger and bigger issue. We will get to that in just a moment. But we were just talking about today's breaking news. The PGA Tour, Live Golf, and the DP World Tour have announced a merger. A merger that was shocking to us and a merger, frankly, that was shocking to golfers. And that is the most problematic part of this to some people. As much as we could talk about where the money comes from for Live Golf and we could talk about sports washing and all the different cultural things that are around it, one of the things we've been stressing 
that is shocking about this is that the golfers involved had no idea it was coming. This is Adam Hadwin. And I want you, Harry, not just to hear what Adam says, but how he says it. Because sometimes tone and spacing when you speak says everything. Adam is a PGA Tour golfer, and he was asked when he heard the news. This is what he said. I read it like most people when it came out this morning. Um, we were given an email. Um, I read through. We also got an email with comments from Jay uh, regarding it. Um, I don't know. I'll be honest. Um, I think that what's transpired like the last year and a half and the rhetoric, not, on, not only on this side, but on that side as well, I think it's, it's difficult to look at that and say, how did we get here now? I'll tell you, you can hear this voice fits um, that he has disbelief. He feels betrayed. He's trying to understand how and why. But you could tell there's some unsettling in his body because that's the tone that he's given out. Plus, I don't know if he's married, has a family, and this may have been a topic. See, this is another part of it. This might have been a topic in a lot of these guys' household with their significant others. And you don't know if your significant other is going to feel some type of way about it all. But these are all the things that, you know, people don't normally think about when things like this transpire. But these are conversations that you have in your household. You want to know why I know Fitz? Because I'm, I'm married. And I have a wife. I have kids. And we talk about things that happen throughout sports, but not just sports. But in life in general, on the news and, you know, have conversations about those things and our views and what we think about A, B, C, or D. So it gets real. It gets real. It's real life. And, and these, this is a complicated merger for a lot of reasons. That's part of the reason why I feel like if you were a golfer right now in the PGA Tour, you feel stabbed in the back. Not just because this merger is happening, but because nobody communicated it to you in a way that gave you the opportunity to process the information before you were going to sit in front of a microphone. They gave you an opportunity to sit down and talk to your family about what this information could mean before you sat in front of a microphone. Instead, you're sort of blindsided by all of it, and you're blindsided by all of it in a way where you're going to have to answer questions about it because of what you do for a living. If the PGA really cared about the actual golfers that are part of the PGA Tour, they would have at least given everybody some sort of a heads up so that they were put in a better success, better situation to be successful with how they handled it. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, on to the NFL where there's some big news coming out at this point. The NFL is probing the Colts' Isaiah Rogers for possible betting. Multiple sources familiar with the investigation confirmed to ESPN that uh, the player in question is Colts corner and kick returner Isaiah Rogers. He's a six-round pick entering the final year of a four-year $3.4 million contract. The sportsbook account was under uh, was opened under the name of an associate of Rogers, according to sources. Approximately 100 bets were placed on the account over an undisclosed amount of time, including bets on Colts games. Most of the bets were in the $25 to $50 range, although there was at least one low four-digit bet. So here's the important quick nugget on this, Harry. You're talking about somebody that Colts fans are familiar with. 
You're talking about somebody that's been in the league for a minute, and you're talking about somebody that, according to this probe right now, was using an associate to bet not just on football, but to bet specifically on Colts games. This is something that I think the, the league will come down with the thunder of the gods because there's a, we've seen it. There's a penalty for betting on team site, but you're not betting on football. There's a penalty for betting on football. Calvin Ridley just lived that for a year. Betting on your own games? I have no idea what the league's going to do here, but it feels like it is going to be catastrophic. And the only thing I can ask, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Because you're probably going to make anywhere between – Seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or or above, right? So, is it worth it? The range of bets were from twenty five dollars to fifty dollars, and there was at least one low figure, uh, four figure bet. So, I asked myself, is it even worth it at the end of the day? Because, see, what I do know, Fitz, is that certain things are in a CBA, the collecting uh, collective uh, bargaining ag- agreement, and I know that everyone receives that whether it's digital or however other way they may receive it. We got to start reading stuff and understanding what's in there. And also, I think we need to open our eyes to things that are going on. Like, as soon as you've seen the Calvin Ridley situation, you know, play out, wouldn't you think your antennas would be up a lot more? Wouldn't you think you would want to read up on things even more? That's from a player's perspective, an agent perspective, team perspective. And I know there, there are multiple moments where – I was walking around the facilities that I were that I was involved in, and I've seen certain things and certain signs up around those facilities. But I just think it the educational part of it needs to be done smarter. Or be, be they seem to be smarter about it all. It's just, we're up here talking about guys probably losing a million dollars because you want to bet twenty five dollars or fifty dollars on a game. It doesn't make sense to me. Make it make sense to me, Fitz, because it doesn't. Because here's the thing, and and I, to be very real, and you know this as a player, but I, I'm lucky enough to have friends that have been around the league and, and worked in different capacities. I got one buddy years ago that was an agent, and I went to a seminar he had for all of his clients. And in that seminar, to give you all the detail that they went through, they sat down with players and helped them fill out workers' comp forms. And a lot of people don't realize this, but when you're hurt playing football for a certain amount of time after the game, you can you can apply for workers' comp in certain states, and there's this whole process. It's very consuming. So they literally had somebody go in and sit down and say, okay, let me help you fill out these forms. Here's the information you need. Here's what we need to have documented. They did all of that. I actually sat down and talked to them about media. How does media work and do all of these things? Like They go over every single detail. In fact, I know for a fact there are some agents that have a weed guy, and all that person does is call or did in, in the CBA was call and say, hey, it's this many days until open drug testing, so make sure you don't smoke any weed after this day. Like, the, the, the amount of detail... True story. Uh, now, the amount of detail that agents help you. Every one of these players has a representative that's getting paid uh, to, to represent them, to help them with these things. Every one of these players is on a team that has a team president that is part of the, the union that can sit down as the union rep for that team and say, hey, guys, just a reminder, here's the policy. Plus, they have the CBA on their own. At some point, man, I, how much can I safeguard somebody? You, you got to know. And, and Isaiah Rogers certainly knows betting on football He's making a huge mistake. But even the guys that right now are being busted not betting on football, you have got to know. At this point, you've got to be smarter with the way you make your living, and you've got to follow every single rule. Personal responsibility, Harry, has to matter. And, and I get it, Fitz. It, it, it's one of those things that's up in the air, and you're like, okay, so why can't guys, you know, bet on different sports while you're at the facility? And 
And I, I'm I'm of the thought of why why you're at the facility? Why can't you just focus on your craft? Actually, I, I want us to stick there. We got plenty to break down on this Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short, a lot of things. Bundle today at Progressive.com. I've actually got the language in front of me. I know exactly what the league says about what you can do and what you can't do in a team facility, and it's the same language every single player has. We'll tell you about it and answer the question of why guys don't seem to be getting this right. We're going to do all that. Plus, we'll get you caught up on Game 3 of the NBA Finals. I promise. Plenty of NBA to get to. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I think the Heat win the series. In seven? Yeah. Butler drives the baseline right. Short jumper's good, and he's fouled. Jimmy Butler a chance for three. Hits the rolling out of bio for a two-hand stop. Out of bio set a tremendous screen, and then rolled to the bucket and a chance for three. Murray stepped back for the tie of three. No good! Rebound Miami. The Heat have won it. Miami with the win, and the series is tied at one. I don't know. I've been told that there's a finals matchup in the city of Miami that doesn't involve the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't know. That's what they say. I guess this Nuggets heat thing is a big deal. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I'm going to continue to be on one until Vegas hoists the cup. We're presented by Progressive Insurance in Miami. Hopefully ready to send, I don't know, you know, maybe a food poisoning pizza to the Florida Panthers uh, would be Nick Friedel, ESPN NBA reporter. That's See, it's not a conflict of interest, Nick. You're out there working on the NBA. I'm just asking you maybe to trip somebody with skates that uh, is wearing a Florida Panthers sweater. Like, I, I think that's a, fair, that's a fair ask. Come on now. Help a brother out. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. I want no part of any skates. Nobody wants to see me on skates, Mr. Fitz, and I've never been quite into into that hockey. So Okay, okay. Uh, I, don't know. I, I am right where I need to be. I, I'm just saying speed on skates is the way to go in Miami. All right, Nick, <laughs> now let's get an actual analysis of this game. Uh, look, I, I'm stunned by the way game two went down, but you obviously know this team well. So how do they continue? How does Miami continue that momentum into game three? Uh, they've got to continue to get – production from the guys on the periphery. Now, Fitz, they, they trust completely up and down this roster. And that's what I don't think a fan who's slipping on this game understands. They look at the names and they go, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, uh, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson. You know, to the casual NBA fan, most of them are going to go, who the hell are these guys? To the Heat. Those guys have poured in hour after hour after hour of time, and they've earned everything they've gotten. And so the key as far as the momentum is concerned in the game three is making sure that those guys still play at the same level that they've been playing at uh, throughout the majority of the postseason, especially uh, late in game two. Uh, And they believe that they can. I've, I've been stressing this to you guys the last few weeks as I've been down here covering them. And it is really impressive to see. The C team is just so confident. They are so loose, but they're focused. They believe they're going to win. And they believe it because they have Jimmy and Spolster telling them it's going to happen. But they have these guys continuing to step up and play at a different level than what we saw at times in the regular season. 
So, Nick, Heat head coach Eric Spolstra dismissed the question, but it seemed, you know, kind of fair that the Heat didn't let Nikola Jokic be a distributor in their uh, in game two and gave him better looks at the basket as a trade-off. Is that something that you kind of noticed as well? And that's something that the Miami Heat is kind of focusing on a little bit as their, their game planning? Absolutely. Harry, not only was that a fair question, but it was a question that everybody was thinking about that Ramona asked the other night. Because if you turn Jokic into more of a scorer, and you take away or at least limit his ability to get those passes, and you're in the best shape you can be against Denver. And it wasn't just Spolster who was who was saying it and, and trying to kind of knock things down Sunday night. They had a bio before the series started said, hey, if we're going to win, we cannot let Jokic be the distributor that we know he can be and get everybody else's rhythm going. And in game one – that's exactly what happened. And in game two, yeah, his, his box score, it, it looked unbelievable. But when you watched what, what went on, they limited his ability and the lanes that he had to get it to everybody else. And that uh, is such a huge reason why we're standing here in Miami now tied at one and why the Heat feel like they're on to a little something as far as the defensive game plan goes. With that being said, Steve Kerr said on the Draymond Green podcast that you know, Jamal Murray is actually the head of the snake that you need to chop off for Denver. You buying that? To a point. I, Fitz, I understand where he was coming from because he was saying everybody's so focused on Jokic. Uh, if if Murray goes off, and very clearly he can, then you're in big, big trouble. But uh, I, I, it, it's all semantic to me and that Jokic is the heartbeat of that group. Jokic is the guy that makes everything else go. Uh, and... If you, if you are able to slow uh, the passing lanes with Jokic or get in front of Murray, you're going to win. <laughs> I mean, it's really that simple. And yeah. uh, Jimmy being on Murray a little more, I think that is crucial for Miami's chances. Uh, I, I understand where, where Steve was going, but when you watch that, that Nuggets team, everything goes through Jokic. He's got to be the guy that, that sets that tone, and he has over and over again. And and certainly Denver is still favored to win the series. Um, but if you limit Murray and you have a, a defender who's as talented as Jimmy is on him, uh, your your chances to stunt everything go, go up uh, a, a great deal. Nick, I love when you come on because we have a ton of fun. And it stood out to me the last few times we ha- we've had you on about how impressive you are. Uh, with the confidence in this Heat team. So I have a question for you. You have to choose number one or number two. You are, you more Im- are you more impressed with the confidence of the Miami Heat or more impressed with the bikini seen while rollerblading in Miami? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Terry, if you think in a million years that I'm going to be rollerblading anywhere, then my man... No, we, no, we no, no. Not, not, you, not you rollerblading, but the, bikini, but the bikinis rollerblading. Okay, well, here... There's a way to get out of this question, uh, and, and the, the way is that since I have flown down here, all there's been is rain, so I haven't fully been able to embrace the entirety of the scene down here. Now, Dang the it. answer in a normal world is, of course, it's the rollerblading because there, there's only one place like this place uh, down on my, Miami uh, and on South Beach. But what I would tell you, 
and I, <laughs> I like, I like where you're going. But what I say <laughs> is that the Heat confidence truly, truly is incredibly impressive because they just don't let any of this other stuff bother them. And Jimmy was talking about it a little bit after game two, and I understood where he was going. Like, this team, he keeps saying, oh, we don't care what anybody says. Guys, that's total BS. I've known Jimmy since he came in the league. They know exactly what's being said. They know who's saying it, who's writing it, and it motivates them. But his point is, he doesn't let any of the doubts, and the team doesn't, seep into anything else that they're doing. And that is crucial when you're an eight seed that everybody thought was going to get demolished by Milwaukee, and it hasn't happened yet. And I think they are thriving in the role of nobody expected us to be here. We did, and screw everybody else. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a reason why Nick Ferdale took his talents to South Beach, mm. and I'm here to let you all know why. It's for the Miami <laughs> Heat, obviously. It's professional. <laughs> Nick, all I need you to do, just hear me out, okay? You got, you got the Heat game tomorrow night. And then the Panthers in Vegas the night after that. Then the Heat, then the Panthers in Vegas again. Since since you won't beat up a hockey player for me, which, by the way, means you're not the friend I thought you were. But since you won't do that, at least just buy the entire arena a bunch of drinks at each of the NBA games so that their home home field or their home ice is less than the night next night. Same crowd, figure they get too drunk at the NBA game. Will you do that for me? 18,000 drinks, 36,000. Now, wait a minute. I must have missed the first part of that because you know if, if we need to throw down – you know who's going to be standing there right there with me. I got you. I look at that. Keith, so, look, Kachuk better watch out. I'm just saying, we're, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. <laughs> All right, for now. I'll let you get to work, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks so much. We appreciate the insight. Always, guys. It's good to be with you, and I'll talk to you soon. Keep us updated on the rollerblading. That's Nick Friedle, ESPN NBA reporter. Uh, nobody does a more professional interview with Nick than this show. All right. I, I said it earlier. I will tell you now. I have the exact language from the collective bargaining agreement that NFL players are given when it comes to sports betting. And frankly, it eliminates any excuse any player has. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. As the NFL probes Colts' Isaiah Rogers about betting, possibly on the Colts, it raises a larger question, not about this specific incident. Obviously, betting on your team is one thing. But it seems, according to multiple reports and articles right now, that there are a group of players saying they didn't know that they can't bet on other sports even when they're at their team facility. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Now, Harry played for the NFL for 10 years. So if there's anybody that understands locker room culture, it's certainly Harry. But I'll say this, Harry. I decided to work the phones as much as I could today because you know me. I'm a collector of information. At the end of the day, I think we're at our best at ESPN. This show's at our best when we get as much knowledge as possible. So I started blowing people up today with a very simple question. How informed should players be about the NFL gambling policies? Because it seems like there's players right now saying, I didn't know. For anyone that doesn't know, the rule says you can't bet on any sport when you're at work, basically. And that means team facilities, et cetera. But how clear is that? I now have the answer, Harry. This is directly 
from the collective bargaining agreement, something every single player has. And it says this, gambling in the workplace or while working, NFL personnel shall not engage in any form of gambling in any club or league facility or venue, practice facility, stadium, team hotel, draft or other league or club event included, or on any league or club charter or other transport while traveling on club or league business or while making an endorsement or promotional appearance. What's even more damning is the very next paragraph with italics says, gambling on personal time. NFL personnel, excluding NFL officials, otherwise subject to the NFL, NFL RA bargaining agreement, may participate in legal non-sports gambling on personal time, including during the season when not traveling on club or league business. They're telling you right here, very clearly, what you can and cannot do. And at some point, every say you've been one. Man, a player has to take personal responsibility. Calvin Ridley just got suspended. Does that not make you open the CBA and go into it and say, damn, I better check the, the gambling policy? Like, at some point, ignorance is no excuse for breaking the rules. It shows you, though, the lack of knowledge and the lack of understanding rules that are in place that's in print right in front of you that you can go and look at, but you don't want to take the time to look at. Now it's costing people a ton of money. A ton of money fits, but that's where I think players got to get better. Understanding what's in the fine print, what you can do, what you cannot do, and not just skim over things and not just ignore things because you're going to have situations like this that come up that can hurt you financially in the end. So basically, I'll put it in these terms right here. You're taking money away from your family. If you have a kid or kids, you're taking money away from your kids. You're taking money away from your wife. You're taking money away from people that you may help that can't really help themselves. That's who you're taking the money away from because of the lack of knowledge and understanding of the rules that are in place of what you can and cannot do. And at some point, I'm going to go back to what do we see with supplements. And again, maybe everybody doesn't know this, but every team has a supplement testing department. So if Harry Douglas is playing for the Atlanta Falcons and Harry Douglas wants to take a supplement, all he has to do is take that into the team and they'll run all the tests and tell him if it's approved. And to be specific, all you have to do is take it to your strength and conditioning coach and he will look it up and let you know if you can take that supplement or not. Which is why... Anytime an NFL player turns around and says, oh, I didn't know I was taking this supplement. I didn't know. My answer is to hell you didn't because you could have found out, right? Like you could, that's lazy on you. You could have found out. NFL teams also have, for example, allotments for cabs and Ubers. So I learned this from one of our mutual friends that uh, used to play for the Titans. And he told me once, like he had an allotment and a 24-7 call line where he could pick up the phone and somebody would pick him up anytime, anywhere from the Titans. So when a player gets a DUI, I look at it and say, how? You have all of these things provided for you. We need to start looking at gambling the same way. There are players, as I alluded to earlier, there are agents that have somebody on the staff that just calls players and say, hey, man. Drug test is coming up next month. You can't smoke any weed from now until this date. Like, they have it marked on their calendar. They're helping players with everything. So I'm supposed to believe that gambling is the one spot that nobody's helped players with? Like, you got to take some responsibility at some point. Yeah, you got to take all the responsibility because you put yourself in that situation. And I'll go back to what I, what I first said, though, Fitz. Is it that serious to bet 20 to $50 and, you know, a minimum, a, a very low four-figure bet? On something that's going to cost you 
millions of dollars? Is it that serious? Could you imagine? Open up your favorite app, and you go to place a bet, and you put the $25 bet. You put in a $200 bet. And when you press yes on it, it brings up a little window and says, this bet could cost you $1.5 million. <laughs> be like, cancel, 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 cancel. Like, I, what the hell are we doing? Like, it, it's wild, Harry. That, this is something the players got to start figuring out. Well, now I, I really think after this, um, after Kevin really, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, team personnels were having the meetings about this situation. Yeah, the, Moving forward, it's got to be more. There's no excuse. I know that you'll hit the jackpot if you listen to Candy and Carlin. They're coming up next. Thanks for hanging out with Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry Podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.